Hey listener, this podcast is called Trigger Warning Romance for a reason. It is intended for an 18 plus audience due to the adult context and triggers that may be discussed in each episode. Please check the show notes for a full list of triggers and proceed with caution. You have been properly warned. It's time to count off the triggers. Hello and welcome to Trigger Warning Romance, everybody. I am Nat. I'm Tori. And tonight, not tonight, and today we're going to be talking about Until Tomorrow Comes, a dark mafia romance by Adelaide Forrest. This is book one. This is the first book in the Beauty and Lies series, and we are super stoked to turn our attention here. Wait till you guys meet Raphael. If you haven't met him yet, just you wait. You're not prepared. Oh, yeah. Ooh. You, you saw some of Zoe's people were banana pants. This guy is off this rocker. When we were talking about doing our, about doing this particular book, I believe Nat's quote was, he's banana in banana pants crazy. Yes, he's a banana in banana pants. Correct. Correct. That is a, that's a whole side of banana that you have never seen before. But we don't see too much of it in this book. We get no. a little crazy, but not a whole lot. Now, next book. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yes. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize in advance of my voice. I am so sorry if it's not as lovely as usual. <laughs> but I have been battling my asthma. The pollen is insane up in the northeast right now. So I might be coughing and I sound like a smoker, even though I haven't smoked a day in my life. So anyway, this book, guys, it's like Tori was saying, the first book is not particularly dark. It's a little dark, but it's not particularly dark. But wait till we get to book two, because it's a whole lot of dark. There's so many triggers in that next book. Yeah, they don't even own light bulbs in that in the second book. <laughs> no, it's just, you just fill around in the dark. <laughs> but this book starts out with, uh, who does it sound start out with? Well, it starts out with the pre, like the prequel, actually, Until Memory Fades, which is from Rafe's point of view. And it is when he was in Chicago helping out Mateo from the Belandi Crime Syndicate. If you haven't read that series, it's another awesome Mafia Men series. It starts out with bloodied hands. And Mateo is, Mateo is also crazy. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Do you, have you realized that we've just been doing nothing but mafia books? I have. I've I've noticed that trend. But I I started looking at our, we've got some other (laughs) stuff coming up a little bit sooner or later. Yeah, it's fine. I love mafia books. It's one of the few books that you and I agree on genre-wise. Both of us really like mafia books. Yeah, I think that's it. But I was just like, oh man, we're just doing nothing but mafia here. (laughs) <laughs> we have switched from Russian to Spanish mafia though. Anyway, yeah. So I love that they're in Chicago and obviously it's really cold in Chicago. Rafe is going to meet up with Mateo and at his warehouse where he's torturing some dude. 
he's like, where are you? He's like, in the back, in the freezer. And Rafe is like, as if Chicago in February isn't cold enough. Now we have to go inside a fucking freezer. And obviously this guy's from Ibiza. He's used to the warmth. He's not used to the freaking cold. And I just found it hysterical that he has in, in Chicago, it's like the coldest place in the world. Chicago, February, freezer. Well, he says, why did anyone insist on living in a place where the air hurt their face? And where the fuck was the sun? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I ask myself that question all the time. I do too. Yeah. You and I live in the Northeast. It's not fun up here in the winter. But Mateo, Mateo's family is the Belandi family. And they are on the cusp of war with another family in that series in regards to Mateo won't allow trafficking in his city. Mm -hmm. And Rafe has come to back him up as part of their alliance as they're getting ready for this war. So that's why he's actually in Chicago. Yeah. But Rafe is all about making this dude bleed. (laughs) And he says something, I don't remember the exact quote, but like the only thing that makes him feel alive is either murdering some dude or having sex, something like that. Right. And he wasn't about to have sex. So murder was great. Yeah. Something like that. It's one of those takes on fight or fuck. One of the two. And uh, this is something, I mean, I guess it's just like a dark mafia thing. Cause I think other, other heroes have said something very similar, right? Yes, I believe so. Even I don't remember which one it was. One of Zoe's people was like, well, you know what happens when I'm angry. I either murder somebody or I fuck. And I'm obviously not about to. I think it was Ivan was telling Ivan. that to Dylan. Yeah, I think it was Ivan. So I'm like, ah, here we go again. I, I've, I've been here before. I like it here. Let's do it again. But they, they murdered this one guy because he's, I don't know, he, mafia reasons. And he says, I love this quote because he was like, you better tell me like, what's up guy? Because I'm good. I'm not a Bildani, I'm not a Bildani boy, your sister or your wife. I think he was talking about his wife, his wife, his, his wife. She's about to have everything to do with this. If you don't start singing, I slid the wedding band off his finger and tossed it into the air. Maybe I'll even wear your wedding ring while I fuck her. I've always wondered what it was like to be married. And then he says something like, I was many things, a, mur- a criminal and a murderer among them, but I wasn't a rapist. <laughs> like He didn't know, need to know that his wife would beg me for more if I paid her a visit. First of all, what morals? <laughs> I love the principles of this man. <laughs> Second of all, um, he does lie a little bit because later on, he does become a bit of a rapist. But up to this point, he's never done it because he's just so hot. He uses the excuse that Isa wants him. Her body is saying yes, but her mind is saying no. So it's not rape. Of course, that clear, clear con- consent from the body. Because <laughs> that's a thing. Anyway, I'm sorry. We are, um, at least we're on topic. Uh, <laughs> we're not talking about random stuff. Well, during this time, we also find out that Rafe has just recently taken over his family's crime business. His father, he killed his father. He burned him at the stake. And I think that's really the important thing, backstory that we learn. Yeah. And we don't, I don't think at this point we know why yet. Like we don't know why he killed his father. 
Well, he talks about how he talks about his mother and how she how her father his father burned her at the stake when he was I think seven because he thought she was a witch. Crazy obviously runs in his family. A, a little cuckoo, yeah, definitely a little cuckoo. He made Rafe watch while she burned at the stake, and you find out later on that he was punished because he cried. Yeah, I mean, man, that that guy is whack. He is whack. For sure. For sure. But after Rafe helps with the torture and extraction of information, if you want to put it in polite terms, he is at the one of the clubs that the Belandis own. And they are looking for one of the other guys. They meet up and then he gets a call that the guard who was on his girlfriend, keeping her safe, let her slip by. Yeah. So he's pretty pissed about it. And nobody can find her. So he and Rafe end up jumping in the car and heading off to where she works. That's important because as Rafe is getting out of the car, he looks up and he sees this girl. And I am choosing to say girl because at this point, she is six fucking teen years old. Nothing creepy about that. She's a baby. But she and her friend are walking. I think they're crossing the street and heading to a, a restaurant nearby. And she kind of looks up and sees him and freezes. And he sees her and freezes. And here is that imprint thing again. It must be a mafia thing, not a Russian mafia thing. Because he looks at her and he decides, okay, she's mine. Yep. He sends one of his goons, who's supposed to be keeping him safe, to, to go after her. You know, follow her and find out who she is. Get me her name. Yep. But he says... It wasn't desire that settled over me so much as an instinctive knowledge that one day when she was older, she'd be a force to be reckoned with. One day when she was older, she'd be mine. Yeah. And he meets up with Mateo and hashes out some rules for this poor 16-year-old lamb to the slaughter and determines he's going to be leaving some of his men behind to see to her safety. And her fate is sealed. Yeah. And I love Mateo because he's like, you can't take her because she's 16. But if you're really like really into it and like, he's like, if you want to leave your men and they are, they're only allowed to watch, they're not allowed to do anything. And he's like, what are you, who do you think I am? I'm like, uh, the fact that you just imprinted on the 16 year old and how old is he? He's like in his thirties, right? He's in his thirties, I believe. You know, I kind of wonder if Mateo gave him the go-ahead to leave folks in Chicago because he was hoping that between the time that Rafe sees her and the time she turns 18, that maybe he would lose interest. Maybe. I want to believe that he would not just throw her to the wolves. I don't know. But I can't be sure of that. Yeah. I don't know either. I'm like, uh, what? (laughs) I think he said something like his wife wouldn't approve, but it's fine. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Ivory would definitely not approve. Mm-mm. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But then we run in, we, we flip over to Isa. He was having problems with her twin sister, Odina. Yes. And well, we find out that she's another Mary Sue. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, she is such a Mary Sue. She's never even drank alcohol before. She routinely goes to parties to get her sister so that her sister won't get in trouble for being out too late. She's a far nicer girl than I was. Yeah, for sure. 
but we do find out as the story progresses that there are reasons I don't think we get the whole story in book one I think it comes in on book two but there is actually a reason why she is such a Mary Sue as opposed to the other girls who are just that good something made Isa this way yes 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 but she's still a freaking Mary Sue we really need to read a book where (laughs) where it's not a Mary Sue okay listeners that's your task for the week send us recommendations for books where the heroine is not a Mary Sue. Yeah, 100%. But back to the book, they have, Odina's sister is a mess. I mean, she is just, she parties and she stays out and she doesn't study and she gives Issa all kinds of grief. Yeah, I mean, when that accident happened that we find out later on, it kind of like one went super straight and narrow and the other one just rebelled. Before that, they were actually quite friendly and they were like really good friends. But that accident happened and whatever happened, happened. We'll get to it. And they just completely weird off the the deep path. And it's not just in how they interact with each other, because Odina has problems with everyone in the family. Yeah. And Issa has tried so hard to be perfect for everybody. I mean, she takes pleasing people to a whole new level. Not only is she a straight A student, she volunteers at the community center, which is a, what is it? Her grandmother is a form of Native American. I believe it's a Minamini. I'm not going to try and say that. Mm -mm. Nope. I'm not real sure how to pronounce it and I don't want to, to butcher it, but she, but the, but this particular tribe is dying out and her grandmother is very aware and tries very hard to get her granddaughters interested in their culture so that they can teach their kids and have it continue. So Issa falls all over herself to do this. When she works, she gives her money to her parents to help pay for her grandmother's medical bills. We find out that she doesn't have a coat. We find out that she doesn't even own a winter's coat living in Chicago because her parents needed the money for bills and for her grandmother's medical condition. Yeah. And she says to her friend something like, oh, your, your car is so beat up. You need a new car. And your friend's like, hey, you need a coat. The difference is one costs $100 and the other costs thousands. Like, it's okay to spend some money on yourself for something, especially for something like a coat. That's kind of a necessity under the In circumstances. Chicago? Well, I don't know. Dylan didn't have a coat either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yes, I didn't think about that. Mm, yes I spew useless facts <laughs> that's why I'm so good at this podcast <laughs> one of the many reasons we love you Nat thank you but yeah and, and this is when they were walking down the to to this diner and that's when Rafe saw her and she saw him and she's really mad because the sun was in her eyes and she couldn't get a good look at him but she was drawn to him you know just couldn't look away and she and she said something like have you ever seen somebody and just wanted to like jump them right away <laughs> He's just super attracted to this shadow because she couldn't even see him. And she gets into this weird trance. When they go into the restaurant, it I believe they they I believe Chloe says something to the effect of it's her blood sugar. Sit her down, I'll get her some juice. But Isa says her inner monologue, it says, My entire world had flipped upside down with only a glance from a man I couldn't even see. Yeah got the pants feelings guys and she's never had pants feelings before because she's a mary sue yeah she doesn't know what pants feelings are 
No, because he's, of course, we know that he puts surveillance everywhere that she ever is, uh, including her bedroom. Audio only. I don't think he put video because, of course, he's got morals. He's not going to look at a 16-year-old naked. But he says something like, she just doesn't make any sound at night. There's no sounds of her like touching herself or anything. So she's had no pants feelings whatsoever for the 16 years that she's been alive until she sees this shadow. She and Chloe were having a conversation about how hot he was, even though they didn't get a good look at him. Chloe says something to the effect of, oh, you mean you've never looked at a guy and wanted to jump him? He's like, yeah, no, no. Yeah, because she's never had, we've said this uh, before, she's never had pants feelings until this moment. <laughs> well, if you're going to go, go big. I mean, I, I don't know. 16 is kind of late to start having pants feelings, I think. Am I the only one who started having pants feelings like way earlier than that? I'm not saying I acted on them, but I had some pants feelings back when I was. I had some pants feelings probably when I was, I was probably about 14 or 15. Yeah, I was going to say like 13-ish for me, probably. I had crushes at 13, like on boys. Oh, I had crushes, but I didn't have the the pants feeling. And and at least I didn't know, know what it was. Okay, yeah. Until I was probably 15. Okay. But yeah, anyway, she found out that she had pants feelings for this stranger that that she didn't even know what he looked like. But he just had this vibe that was super dangerous because they all have this vibe that's super dangerous. Well, she says he was far too dangerous for anyone to get involved with. Girl like me would burn with desire from a single look, let alone if he actually touched me. Responsible girls don't get involved with phantoms for the shadows. And I was nothing if not responsible. Yes. And then we went to him having a meeting with Mateo saying, I want her. I'm going to leave my people here. And when she turns 18, I'm going to take her. And Mateo says, you will wait until she graduates. It's only a few months after she turns 18. She's going to graduate high school. Then you can take her. Which, what a charmer of a guy. (laughs) with principles she must have a ged to get abducted well everyone everyone needs their own standards i guess this is also where rafe brings in hugo gabriel and i'm not really sure how you say his say say his name um and is it in no joaquin joaquin i think it's joaquin we're gonna go with joaquin yeah they are three of his men from spain and hugo is going to be in high school with Isa. He's supposed to get to be her friend and become her confidant and report everything back to Rafe because that can't possibly go bad. No. Also, it's actually Ugo. The H is silent. I know this because I listened to the audiobook oh. of this. Um, I tried something different, this, this reread, because I've read this book before, obviously. And I decided, oh, let me listen to an audio and see if that's an okay thing to do for me for the episode recordings. It is not, by the way, because I can't take notes. Also, I told you this, the guy that uh, has uh, does the voice for Raphael, he's very intense with his <laughs> Spanish accent. And I died. I couldn't, 
I could, I'm sure like people found it attractive, but I just couldn't take him seriously just because of the strong, very, very, very overdone accent, in my opinion. I wouldn't be able to use audiobooks because I need to be able to take notes and highlight. I, I would be lost if I tried listening to it. Listening to it is fine for me if I'm just listening to listen, but if I'm listening for the podcast, I can't because I need to take notes. I need to highlight. But if I'm cleaning, I love me an audiobook. Oh, yes. And especially if I'm driving. But oh my God, I was dying. Let me see if I can play you a little bit. Here. <laughs> just this guy, the way he says it. Hang on. Hang on, hang on. Raphael. Making my way through the lobby to the pool area at the back of the hotel, I admire the dim lighting and orchid glow to the water, courtesy of the underwater lights I'd arranged on Isa's behalf in her favorite color. Lounges remained on one side of the pool, but the rest of the deck had been cleared for mingling or dancing. Mingling or dancing. And that's not so bad. Once they get to the sex, I couldn't. I, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nope. I pooped up. Oops, out of it. Again, I'm sure some people really like that. And I'm not yucking your yum. I just giggled and I couldn't, I couldn't take it. So I'm going to have to return that audio because I did not even get halfway through. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's actually Ugo. Ugo. I mean, we can say Hugo. I, I think most people probably will read it like Hugo. I read it like Hugo. I did too until they corrected me. But yeah, and I love that Hugo's like, what am I doing here? Why am I going back to high school? <laughs> I've been running your underage stuff over. Yeah, uh, recruitment in Ibiza. Like, why am I going to an American high school? I am so above this. I love the, I love that. Well, the only reason they are aware that aware of that Rafe would send someone, put someone under such this kind of sur- intense surveillance is because they betrayed him. And it's before his punishment and before he kills them. And what could this the 16-year-old high school girl have done to warrant this? She was just really hot. <laughs> he says, have you ever seen something and known it was yours the moment you laid eyes on it? Isa is mine. When she's old enough, that will become official. Your job is to befriend her and monitor her in a way that your brothers can't do. I want you to be her confidant. I want to know every thought that runs through her pretty little head. I want to know what boys she has a crush on so I can crush them. Yes. And he was like, what, what am I going to do if she wants to go on a date? And he says, she will not go on a date because you will make sure of it. Fail me in this and I'll cut off your cock and make you eat it, Hugo. It's definitely incentive. Yes. But this is my this is my question. He says she is to remain just as untouched as the day I laid eyes on her. How does he know she's untouched? I think he got surveillance and not surveillance. He's he's got some backup uh info on her, background info before he called them, you know, took them a couple of hours at least to get there. Well, that's true. Because they were in, in Spain. So at least a couple of hours, probably a good day or two before they probably a day before they actually got there. So he probably got some background info on her. Or it's just that virginal glow that they all have. I don't know. Something like that. We'll, we'll go with it, romance reasons. Yeah, 100%. But Isa is called to the principal's office to escort the new exchange student. They are, with, I don't remember what the program is called, but they're showing a new exchange program 
and they're bringing us someone in from Spain, and that just happens to be Hugo from Ibiza, and she is the one who was instructed to give him a tour, help him find all of his classes, you know, show him where his locker was, which was conveniently right next to hers. Yeah, and she noted, like, somebody's, that was somebody's locker, like, yesterday. (laughs) They just moved that person. And as they're in the, I think they're at their locker, that guy comes by and slaps her on the ass. Ooh, R.I.P. that guy. Yes, Wayne. Poor Wayne. Well, actually not. No, Wayne was a dick. Wayne was a dick. But Hugo... Like, chokes him up against the walker. And he says, oh, sorry, I I actually mistook her for the easy twin. And that was a lie because he's been doing that apparently all year. And he really wants Esau instead of the easy twin. And they get into like an altercation there. Anyway, it's, it's not that important, but... What's important to note is that he comes in the next day all bruised up and beaten a little bit. With a broken wrist. And he is not, you know, he hadn't touched or slapped her butt ever since. So somebody made a point (laughs) that somebody was probably either Joaquin or his brother. And the next, okay, guys, we have a really big trigger warning here, starting with in chapter seven, because there is... A girl, there is an attempted date rape where she's drugged. So just be aware of that. You should all know by now, check the triggers before we start the episode. It's all going to be in show notes. Also, it is called trigger warning romance. You should know better by now. <laughs> but I think you all are people. I made a TikTok recently that someone asked, what is something you find hot in books that you don't find hot in real life? And I said, Literally all the triggers. (laughs) Quite literally all of them. So, yes. I saw the TikTok you did with the the duo, with the the guy who is singing, who's changed the words to, I think, Dirty Thoughts About You. Yeah. Holy fucking crap. I know. It's a good one. Oh, Oh, no. And I made an oopsie with that one. You showed your husband? No, I put it on my personal instagram oh and i didn't realize it for like an hour oh i deleted it but some people already followed trigger warning from it (laughs) oh lord it's fine you know who you are people i um i'm not reaching out to you uh if you want to listen and look at my trigger warning romance 30 instagram and and they follow my tiktok too like on tiktok i want you to die whoopsie yeah oopsie doopsie do not multitask now because that's what happened thankfully that wasn't even that bad imagine if i put one of the half naked dudes yeah like the guy who who's dressed with nothing but his cap on yeah that was pretty hot by the way <laughs> god i'm having an asthma attack just thinking about it yes it is hot anything i put on tiktok is pretty much hot so be warned there but yes i it could have been much worse at least it was just the guy singing but when i realized that i was like oh no at least you realized it yeah but it was too late i was saying it was been an hour it had like you know 20 people saw it <laughs> some of which followed the other account <laughs> i didn't mean for that to happen oh uh, anyway that's my oopsie doopsie for the wake. Hopefully, hopefully it's not so bad. Whatever. It's I'm an adult. 
I'm allowed to I'm allowed to listen to dirty songs. Absolutely. You can you can read all the smut you want. Thank you. As long as you talk to me about it afterwards. 100 percent Oh, I'm telling you, we talked about Roe a little bit, and I was like, whoo. Oh yeah, Roe. Guys, you need to check Roe out. It's Dylan Page's new one. It just came out last Monday, and it is phenomenal. It cracked my, I was in a book slump. Like I was in a book slump. Even this book that I really, really liked, I struggled to finish because it was just, my brain was just not activated properly. And then I read Roe in one night. I sit up till 4 a.m. reading nothing. Yes, I finished it in one sitting. I mean, it was, it's, there's, there's a, there's a caveman thing to it. Primal, yeah, it's a hundred percent. If you have a primal thing, like a primal if you've got a primal thing, you need to check this out. Yeah, there's growling and all sorts of shit. It's fucking hot. All kinds of language barriers. Oh, it is hot, hot, hot. Yeah, I think I actually learned that language by the end. <laughs> there were only like 15 words. Oh, yeah. One of which was, I put baby in you. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, back to this book. Odina is at a party. Yes. Odina is... As we said, her twin Isa's twin sister. And as noted by Dickhead Wayne, she is the easy twin. So it's late, it's past curfew. And Miss Mary Sue goes to the party to bring Isa home. There's a bottle of water in the car that's meant that you know it's it's a half-filled bottle. And she figures Odina probably just left it in there, not thinking about it. So she finishes the water and she goes into the party. And she starts things start being kind of fuzzy and she gets pulled onto the dance floor and things are happening that she's, she's just not comfortable with. And finally, Adina says, you're like a fish at night. I knew you'd drink that water. I am so sick of being the bad sister. I think deep down, you want to be just like me. You're just too afraid to let yourself. I want my twin back from the goody goody who took her away from me. Adina pouted, taking a sip from her red solo cup as I swayed on my feet. What the fuck did you do? I hissed, reaching to grab the dining room table to support my weight as my legs turned to jelly beneath me. Relax, she groaned, rolling her eyes. It's just something to take the edge off. Losing your virginity hurts like a bitch. You'll thank me in the morning. I wish someone had refeed me my first time. Yeah. Great sister. Gold stars all the way. Not. She's horrible. I also don't understand what, like, what... As much as that's like, what does that speech really accomplish? You just wanted to, it's not going to make her a bad sister. She didn't go out there and do bad things. Bad things happened to her if this had actually proceeded to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, there is just, and I think that's one of those characters that just me. Yeah, she's horrible. And then Wayne shows up and tries to take her upstairs. And then Hugo shows up and tries to help, which this part didn't make sense to me because he's, when they called Rafe and were like, well, we can't take her out of the party because she doesn't, she's not asking for help, right? It's something like she is too out of it and they can't take her out without causing a scene that might blow Hugo's cover. I don't know. I feel like that's, I understand like romance reasons. We kind of need Rafe to like show up and then do bad things to Wayne later. But that makes no sense because Hugo was her friend. He's He's been her friend at this point. It's not like some random dude. And- He's stood up for her before. So him standing up for her again 
wouldn't be a big deal as far as blowing a cover. Scene, yeah, sure, absolutely. It might have caused the scene, but I don't think he would have blown his cover by it. I don't think so either. But I can, to some degree, understand why he would be hesitant to cause a scene. Because would you want to tell Rafe that you fucked up? No, but they're they're calling to say that he fucked up anyway because she's at that party and she's roofied and she's going upstairs with Wayne. Well, yeah. So either way, I think... I think if they wouldn't have called him and they said like, hey, we handle the situation, it would have been less of a punishment than what happened. I can see that. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, they call Rafe and he races over in his Ferrari, of course. At least it's not a Range Rover. No, there's there's no black SUVs in this one. No. Although in the book that I'm currently trying to read, you said you've been in a book slump. I think that I've mentioned it in the past that I have depression and it's, I've been struggling a lot with that um, over the last few weeks and it makes it hard for me to focus. So I, so reading has been a real challenge. I can focus for three or four minutes and then I have to, my brain is onto something else. So it's hard to distract myself, but the series that I'm reading, the guy drives a black Range Rover, which cracked me up. But when they went to have sex, in the black Range Rover. They didn't have lube. So he used spit for anal. Oh God. And all I could do was shake my Kindle in <laughs> See, it's not just Zoe. I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? This is a this is a romance novel epidemic. <laughs> and in this series, nobody, I mean Granted, there's not been a whole lot of sex at the point where I'm in because it's the first, there's no sex in the first book and it's a medium burn in the second book. Uh, By the time we get to the sex, it's hot as fuck. It better be. (laughs) It was worth the wait, but there's not a single conversation about birth control or condoms or prior partners. I hate that. And that bothered me. Yeah, I don't like that either. I'm with you. It's, it's very, although it's very, like 80s and 90s of it because that's the way it is in like the 80s and 90s books birth control is just the thing that happens that nobody talks about but yeah I like because I mean of course we shouldn't be saying this because we're, we're reading dark romance but romance novels is how a lot of young ladies and young girls learn about sex and what's okay and what's not okay and what you should do and you should be teaching them to talk about birth control, talk about STDs, talk about prior partners, talk about future like things, you know, like, are you going to have an exclusive relationship? Are you going to have an open relationship? All that stuff. Anyway, <laughs> so Rafe shows up. I like, I like it. Oh, we're just on our high horse and I, I love it. So Rafe shows up, causes a whole scene. He says, uh, he threatens Wayne and he's Wayne's like, man, you're not going to do anything to me. There's a whole room of witnesses here. And <laughs> Rafe says that may be, but they have to go home at some point, don't they? <laughs> and who will protect you when I return? Dun, dun, dun. So he took her home and well, then I think Rafe threatens Joaquin and, <laughs> and Hugo and what was the other guy's name? The other brother. Gabriel. Gabriel. Because <clears throat> he says, I know about the roofies in the water and I will make it one thing very clear. If 
if you're oh no then he threatens odina, odina. That's yeah what i was trying to find yeah yeah he threatens odina because odina comes up and he's like oh you cute why are you with her like you know she's no fun and i look just like her and he says you're nothing like her i don't want anything to do with you and i know about the roofies in the water and i will make one thing very clear to you if your shit ever touches isa again i will be the one to make sure you get your shit together and i promise you you will not like my methods <laughs> So then he scares the crap out of Odina, which I was all for. And then he takes her, takes Isa home. Well, he does get very specific with Odina. He says, if you ever endanger her intentionally again, I will make you disappear. You will not be in Isa's life to put her at risk. And then he takes Isa home and puts her to bed. And then he threatens the brothers. And then he threatens the brothers. And that's when we know, learn about the punishments. About, because he's livid, right? He says less than a week. They've been responsible for watching my princessa and they'd allowed her to be drugged by her bitch of a sister and nearly raped. To be fair, none of us could have expected that depth of her sister's hatred for her. But that didn't mean Issa should ever have to been at the party to begin with. I'm going to interject something here. Rafe tells Hugo to deal with Odina and make sure she doesn't talk. So when Hugo is reporting back, he says, well, she'll keep her mouth shut and she'll she'll do what she's what she's supposed to. He says she said she'd keep the secret as long as I promised whatever we were planning would hurt Isa in the end. Mm. I mean, she is wicked, wicked bitch. Yeah, she's a bitch. But then we find out about the punishment, the almost like the traditional punishment that Rafe had. That is fucked up. That is fucked up shit. He like burns them with um, an iron thing. Well, Hugo brings her back. I, actually, you know, when he puts her to bed, he puts her in, her in his bed. He doesn't take her home. I just thought about that because this is where she meets the older two brothers and gives, wait a minute, scratch all of that. Hugo doesn't put her to bed. Rafe puts her to bed at Hugo's. There we go. And then in the morning she meets, she meets them, the brothers. And after that is the punishment. And because Rafe says it was very smart of you who go to introduce your brothers to her because now I can't kill them. But it would raise suspicion for Issa because like you just had brothers yesterday. What happened? But he and he couldn't punish Hugo either because Issa would see him and like be like, what happened to you? So his punishment got put on hold <laughs> until they got back to Issa. Because that's not a mindfuck. That is, yeah, that's, that, that's worse. Because now you're just thinking about being branded. Ah. Gross. Anyway. Well, after the, after the branding, he, we, we kind of do a time jump for a couple of weeks and he goes to visit Wayne. And uh, Wayne gets what's coming to him. Wayne is alone and terrified. Rafe made sure his parents were out of town somewhere or out for the night. And he made sure there was plenty of cocaine to look like an overdose because he was, Wayne was known to do some coke. So it's not like a surprise, surprise to anybody. And then he does murder him. He says, my only regret was that I couldn't make him bleed, that he hadn't screamed in agony as he died. Isa could never know my role in his death. And an overdose was so easily explained in a teenage boy. I wanted Wayne's pain too. 
Yeah, me too. But at least you got rid of him, you know. Rafe is smart, ruthless, but smart. And I res- and I respect that. So And that's the end of the prequel. And that is the first part of the book. If you're if you're using the Amazon. Which speaking of books, there is now a anthology with the entire series. I believe that it released, it came out last week, maybe. Okay. Which is kind of cool if you're, if this is something that you're interested in buying. Yeah. It's a great series. It's totally worth it. I'll put a a link to that in the, and then show notes as well. But it is also on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it that way. But we, we flip to the end of the school semester. Isa is packing to go to Ibiza. She and Chloe won a... And Hugo. Well, no, Hugo's going home. And they won the... Exchange program trip or something. Yeah, it's like a, a thank you for hosting our student kind of trip. And or they won a trip to, I think, a 10-day a vacation in Ibiza. These girls are just have just turned 18. And they're going to a huge party place. And their parents are okay with it. And their parents are okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. um, But her grandmother is not. Her grandmother is like, he's trying to take you away from me. She's like, mom, we are not, our grandma, we're not at, we're not getting together. This is not going to happen. And there's a lot of discussion about expectations for the trip. And even her mom is telling her, have fun. Yeah. Like you've been such a goody two shoes. Have a little bit of fun. This is where I have a little bit of a problem with Chloe. <laughs> Chloe is just completely hung up on her friend's virginity. And she is trying to sell it. She's trying to give it away. Dude, what is your problem? I don't know, but I can tell you. I, I mean, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends when I was in high school. All of my friends were guys. Well, not all, but 95% of my of my group of friends were guys. Yeah. So virginity was not something that was ever discussed. But I thought that was really awkward. Yeah, we, I mean, I had a, a decent amount of girlfriends in high school. And I was actually one of the last people to lose my virginity in high school. I was, I was 18, just like he's, <laughs> unfortunately, it wasn't to a sexy mafia man, as we've discussed. Mine wasn't either, unfortunately. <sighs> and maybe in the next lifetime, maybe the next lifetime. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it, but no, none of my friends were like pushing me like onto people. I mean, like, just go get rid of that thing. Yeah, maybe Chloe is looking at it from the perspective that it's not something that you know Issa wants to lose her virginity, but she's not willing to go out and do anything about it because she is so wrapped up in being the responsible good daughter. I can see pushing your friend to have fun. So I think that it just maybe is miscommunicated and maybe Chloe's way of having fun is through sex. I don't know, but I mean, we'll get to it, right? But she is literally telling her to go up to some random dude's hotel in a random strange country. My girl code would not have allowed. No, you don't do that. Especially your first time drinking. This is the, this is the girl's first time drinking, right? Yeah. My friend. No way in hell would my friends let me just skedaddle away. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just horrible. And she's like pushing and she, she's clearly not 
willing to do it like in the beginning when they're at the <clears throat> she doesn't want to go to that party because they arrive at the they arrive at the at their hotel which is a three-star hotel <gasps> oh boy Rake is very upset and distressed that he could only put them in a three-star hotel because since they're on a, quote, school trip, it would not allow for funding to be put in the correct lush five-star hotel that Rafe needs. Yeah, exactly. So they arrive and then the, the person at the desk invites them to that pool party at that other fancy hotel, the fancy, fancy hotel. And he says, like, I'm tired. I just want to go sleep. And so... Of course, Chloe's like, no, we have to go. We have to go. And Hugo says, don't worry. You can go take a nap. These things don't start until like, I don't know, nine o'clock or 10 p.m., whatever, late late at night, past Natalia and Tori's bedtime. Yes. That's for sure. Um, so she's already like saying she doesn't really want to go. She just wants to hang out. And she's there. Issa's there to see the history because, of course, she's a goody two-shoes girl. She's not there to party. But... They make her dress up in this sexy outfit because she says, I don't have anything to wear. And Chloe says, don't worry, I packed some stuff for you. So she dresses her up like a hoe, which is fine. I'm not saying bad, but your friend didn't want to wear that kind of stuff because she was very self-conscious about the way she looked. Then they go to this party and your friend sees this guy that she's has. She's like, oh, my God, it's the guy. It's the guy from the shadows, which I'm like, how do you know? You didn't even see him. And then he, he's there and like being all sexy and very forward with your friend. Your friend's clearly uncomfortable with it. Rather than take her out of that situation, she pushes the wine in front of her and like moves to make space for the guy and then leaves and then makes her go into the garden or wherever alone with him. I don't know. It's, I was not happy with Chloe. Well, and when... <laughs> We get to we get to Rafe for for a good chunk of the party. We're in Rafe's head. And he mentions that when he was setting all of this up, you know, he's doing everything with, with Isa in mind. And he doesn't want too many people there because she, he wants to be able to dance freely with her. And there's a cabana that they can go to if she wants to talk without the music. Mm-hmm. And the lights are all in her favorite color. And he says, the threat of displeasing me served as a wonderful enticement for good service. But I didn't care about the service of any of the other party goers received. And my quote, my, my, my note is, he's very considerate for a total psycho. Yes, he's very considerate. I mean, he plans the shit out. I mean, he's planned this shit out for, what, 16 months? Something like that? Yeah, he's had plenty of time to think, and that's not a good thing. Mm-mm. So, and before this, before the party, we we see, like, he was pacing at his house and, like, being super short with everybody because he was just waiting for her arrival. And once she landed, I think Hugo texted him or somebody texted him and said, we're here. We landed, and he was just at... You could just feel the electricity buzz through him because he's like she's here she's on my island she's not leaving but yeah he's he's being super creepy and because even Issa says that like when they're talking is it normal to be so forward in Ibiza and he says yeah 
By pulling his hand back from his brick, he released it reluctantly. Yes, Hugo laughed, inserting himself into the conversation and giving a warning look to the stranger who seemed intent on invading my space. Spanish men are not known for subtly. Sub, subtle, I can't say that word. Subtlety. Thank you. <laughs> we know in English is Natalia's second language. So he's invading her space. He's making her feel uncomfortable. She's trying to make like a joke about it. And her dumb, dumb friend, I mean, Hugo, I understand why, because he's clearly meant to do just that. But if anything, Hugo's the one kind of trying to protect her, while Chloe is just... Chloe takes her wine glass and kind of pushes her in his arms. Here, she's yours, unwrap her, I dressed her for you. I know. What the hell is wrong with that girl? I almost didn't feel bad when that Russian guy said he was going to murder her on the balcony. I, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah but they dance and and then he asks her to spend the night with him and they've had like no time together they haven't had a real conversation he's a complete stranger it's her first night in a brand new country when she has never been out of chicago mm-hmm. she's drunk because she's never drank before how can it possibly go bad how is this a bad decision i mean erg yeah that's too stupid to live 100 percent. too stupid to live both of them, as in Chloe and Isa. And then he says, trust me, me percent says it's a very good idea. Cause she's like, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm like, trust you. I she doesn't know you. I mean, you know her very, very well, but she has absolutely no idea who the flip you are. But she agrees to spend the night with him, which is interesting. Because she's like, I'm I'm here, I'm gonna go out of my comfort zone, I'm gonna lose this stupid virginity that Chloe seems to be so obsessed with. Maybe she'll leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> And then he le- they leave. And when they get to his hotel room, she tells him, hey, before we do this, there's something you should know. I'm a virgin, right? Like she tells him because she thinks that he's not going to want to have sex with her because she's a virgin. Well, he admits that if she were anybody else, that would be the case because he's not interested in an untutored virginity. Which I really liked because in most of these books, virginity is just such a... I need like such a pivotal sexual experience for men. Well, her virginity is because he says it meant I didn't need to hunt new victims and murder the men who touched what was mine. Yeah, but that would have been fun. He would have enjoyed the bloodshed. Yeah, and we would have enjoyed watching it happen because we're psychos too. We're here judging Chloe while we're like, yes, please rape her in a weird, not because he doesn't really rape her here. I mean, they have sex and she likes it. There's, I don't believe there is any non-con in this book. There's non-con pool action. (laughs) He pushes her in the pool. Yeah. But but, I mean, as far as sex is concerned, this really, there, there is no, this just isn't dark. So don't watch this book expecting that folks. No, it's definitely a setup to a dark book. But it is a setup to a dark book. And he is crazy and you get to see in his brain in his crazy brain. So it scratches that itch. If you if you like watching a crazy obsessed person, you get to watch a crazy obsessed person play out their their long game. But of course he's got a giant penis <laughs> because it says something like he says to lose her virginity to me was not a kindness and I needed to work to make it less painful for her. <laughs> Because, of course, uh, we don't have any heroes with normal-sized penises. <laughs> They're all huge. Well, the sex is pretty hot. Oh, yeah. Adelaide knows how to write a sex scene. It's very good. Very good. It's like 
it was like rough because it wasn't like and they even he didn't mean he wanted to be like nice but he couldn't because he just got overtaken with emotional and, and passion and she liked it and he was very surprised because he didn't think that she would especially not at first she, he said something like I was prepared to like make her like it like teach her to like it but she was my match in every way apparently because she liked it from the beginning well she says Arching my back and spasming around him, I tightened my legs around his head as I lost control of my body. It was his. He could keep it. At that moment, I never wanted it back. Yeah. I'm jealous of all these virgins having great orgasm sex first time. Well, I think he's going down on her at that point. And I think it's before he actually has sex with her. Yeah, but she has orgasms when they have sex too. So she does. And it's just not fair. I don't care if it's fiction. It's bullshit. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really good sex. And then he notices her scar on her leg. And there's like a whole thing about scars. Yeah, because she says, I, I fought for my breath, my lungs heaving under Rafe. When he collapsed on top of me, I stared at the ceiling as he kissed my cheek. Reality intrigued, uh, reality intriguing as I came back down from the high of two orgasms. <laughs> What in the fuck had I done? I mean, yes, we all have that little bit of a panic, I think, after our first time. Like, shit, what did I do? Yeah, I think so. But none of us are coming. Oh, not none. But I would say very, very few of us are coming down from two orgasms. I sure as hell wasn't. I definitely wasn't. Well, after pretty close to as soon as they're finished, you know, he gets up to deal with the condom and she gets up to start getting dressed to go home she's very awkward because she doesn't really know she doesn't know how these things work what is the proper protocol does she stay does she go and chloe never told her about that he says come to bed come to bed princessa he said drawing my eyes when he chuckled well that's not necessary i should get back before my friends worry i tried not to let the words sound bitter but i already knew sleeping with him had been a mistake Kids set the bar too high, and I feared no other man could compete. No, absolutely not. Yeah, if this is your first sexual experience, <laughs> excuse me. Honey, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, I'm never leaving. <laughs> You're not getting rid of me. But he convinces her to stay, and we, of course, have breakfast in the morning with a huge spread. Well, first she tries to sneak out of there. But she goes into the bathroom and she gets mad at seeing another toothbrush in there because that means that he's, oh, yeah. he was expecting another lady. And she, and then my note, and then she takes a shower. And I'm like, for someone who's such in such a rush to get the fuck out of there, she's taking her sweet ass time in that shower. Usually, if you're trying to sneak out after like a one night stand, you just get dressed and get out. Maybe you pee first, maybe. But who showers at a one night stand? I can't say that I've ever done that. No. I've done a lot of things in my life. That's not one of them. No, like like I said, especially because she's clearly trying to get out of there before he wakes up. It just made no sense to me. But yeah, then he walks in. And I think he joins her in the shower. We don't, I don't know if they have sex. I can't remember, but they do stuff, but I don't know if it's full on sex. I don't think so. Cause I think he's letting her rest from the night before. Cause she's probably sore. He, he asks basically what's your problem why are you in a snit and she explains to him about seeing the toothbrush and he is of course very flattered and very entertained he's delighted that she's jealous 
Oh, and then she gives him a blowy. Yeah, he he joins her in the shower and she's confused. She's like, I'll be done in a minute. And he's like, well, hey, baby. And he says, your pretty little pussy is going to come for me. He groaned as he pulled back. And then I want your mouth. My eyes tracked downward, even though I couldn't actually see him. When my eyes met his again, they were filled with amusement. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I'll teach you. Yeah, he's very excited to teach her. (laughs) And then she, of course, she comes a whole bunch. And then she does give him a blowy and he teaches her. And then she says something like, it's hard and angry. And the head was purple. I'm like, why are they always angry looking? I feel like in all these books, they're always angry. These penises. Well, they're red and purple because of all of the blood that's flowed. That's that's being compressed in a small amount of space. I don't care if he's got a 10 inch cock. It's still small for that much blood. <laughs> yes, but why does it have to be angry? Well, what other color? Would, what, what other emotion would you think that it would be, if, you know, with red, bright red? Excited. It's excited. I don't know. <laughs> just don't understand why they're always angry. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Just, that's just my own personal pet peeve. Well, at least he doesn't kiss his cock. Oh, no, not, no, he doesn't. <laughs> You're safe, doctor friend. And then she's, and then the food comes and she's like, I think she was half naked and the food comes and the guy, you know, he, Rafe lets him in. And, and then she notes that he's not looking at her and puts, you know, leaves. And she says, why did you let him in here with me half naked? And he says, you could have been entirely naked and he wouldn't have as much as glanced at you but why because i told him not to he said with a shrug she says to be in a world where someone wouldn't even look at a person just because he was told not to i felt like i had walked into an episode of the twilight zone more like you walked into a romance novel but that's okay uh then he asks her to spend the whole week with him Instead of just day, like instead of going back to your hotel, spend the whole week with me. Because like he says, do you really want to spend your time in the typical tourist attractions and parties where you can't take a breath without someone bumping into you? Or do you want me to show you the real Ibiza, the Ibiza that I love? And she's like, what, for nine days? Why would you want to do that? And he says, I enjoy being with you. Is that so wrong? He's, she says, you barely know me. And he says, I'd like to remedy that. And I just laughed because I'm like, no, he knows you better than you know yourself at this point. He's he's been watching you for 16 months. Well, he tells her, he says, it's your decision, princessa. He says carefully with a soft voice. He takes a phone call and he says, I need to take this. Make the right choice. Yeah. Which is just a little ominous. Mm-hmm. He has his mask slip every now and then. And, and she I love it. Oh, yeah. No, I love it, too. But, and she definitely picks up on it a little bit because she, she notices when these things happen. She's not, she's a little slow to react, but she does make notes of these things that have that don't quite add up or a little bit misguided or a little ominous. I can't think of a, of another book, romance book that I've read where the hero basically does a bait and switch where he seems all nice and good and he, just to get the girl and then switches on her the way that Rafe does. I, I was trying to think of, a, of another time where the mask doesn't slip, 
because I don't think that's a common, I don't think that it would be common for most authors to incorporate that into a character. And I really, I really like what that says about the way Adelaide writes, but I can't think of another time where that's ever happened. So the only one I can think of that's, it's not a hundred percent like this. And if I think about it, maybe I will come up with one that is, but off the top of my head, the only one that I can kind of think of that's kind of like this is Dark Prince by Christine Feehan. It's an old book. It's like from the 90s. And it's the Carpathian series. It's actually one of the first romance books I've read. I loved that series. Yes. I don't remember a blessed thing about it, but I remember that I loved them. Yes. They're very dub Connie, those books, especially at the beginning, the, the first like 20, because there's like literally, I think 45 or 50 of those books because she just, she's still writing them. But the first one was Dark Prince and he didn't, it's not quite what happens here, but he doesn't disclose to her that he's essentially a vampire right? I mean, they're Carpathians. They're, it's, it's a whole thing. I'm not getting into it. But he's baiting her because there's certain things she has to do in order for him to have access to her completely. And he's not telling her why she has to do them, but he's like invites her to his house and she comes in on her own. He says, like, he says a very specific thing, like, please come in of your own free will or something like that. And she's notes that it's kind of creepy that why would he say that? in that specific way but he she still walks into his house and like once she walks into his house she kind of gives consent to her, him without knowingly giving consent to him and they he, i think it's some we're getting of course off the deep end of course but it's fine i love these books so maybe we'll read one of them because you both you and i both like them that could be a fun throwback episode yeah and they are they're not dark dark but they're on the darker side especially some of those new the older ones with the dub con in them but so I think in order for her to become a Carpathian, they have to exchange blood three times. And in order for him to claim her 100%, he has to have sex with her, drink her blood and say this very specific phrase. And in order for her to drink his blood, she, she obviously she's a human. She's not going to just drink his blood. That's weird. So he hypnotizes her and... When she wake, like I said, when she wakes up and she's clearly not who she used to be, she freaks out. That's like I said, it's the only one I can kind of think of that because he started out being super nice and she's trying to help him with something because they're both like, what's it? Where you can communicate with your mind. I can't think of the word telepath. telepath. Yeah, they're both telepathic. So it's not to this level, but he does play the nice, charming guy and he invites her over to his house. <laughs> and then once she steps into his house, she's like, all right, she's mine. Mine, mine, mine. I think that's where I got the mine because those are the first books I've really read that were romance, romance. And they were all faded mates and mine heavy and dubcon heavy. So much impressionable young stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I was young when I was reading them. I think it was like 14, 15 when I was reading them. As Sarah McLean says on Faded Mates, those books installed all my buttons. <laughs> like my buttons that I really like. So if, if you guys haven't read those, I... Tori and I both recommend them. We both really enjoyed them. Oh, yes. They're not super dark, but if you like vampire stuff, you'll, you'll like them. They are great fluff pieces. Yeah. They are fun and enjoyable. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time thinking about them. Just you read them for the sheer enjoyment. And I know everyone's going to ask, 
they're not standalones, but you can literally pick up any of those books and start with them because anything you need to know will be told to you in that book. You don't need to read them in order. I, I think I started with book five unknowingly when I was younger <laughs> and I was perfectly fine. I went back and started at one because I really wanted to and I enjoyed them, but you don't have to. You can definitely read book 23. Then you can book read book one. It doesn't have to go in order. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So pick a trope you like, read the descriptions of them and read those. The one I really liked, I liked Dark Prince. I liked Dark Guardian and Dark Fire, if I'm correct. Those are the three that stand out to me. But back to our book here, now that we went on a little Christine Feehan adventure. And if, like I said, if you guys haven't read Christine Feehan, she's amazing. Her books are bananas. Have you got, have you read, Tori, have you read the the Shifter books she writes? I don't think so. I did read the, the Shadow Hunters, not Shadow Hunters, that's Clarissa Clare. The one that, the, the, the Mafia ones where they're, they shadow. Yes, yes, I read those too. Those are good too. Those, that's a great series. Yes, those are awesome. Anyway, I read those. She's got more books than I have years in my life, I think, so easy because I think the Carpathian books they're they're up to like 45 or 50 in that series alone and then she has series other series like the the Shifter series the Shadow series the magic the the Drake sisters with the magic yeah there's there's all sorts of shit it's amazing but they're very like at least the older ones are very like 80s and 90s heavy where it's like throbbing member and it's not it's not quite what you're reading now but Amazing. Anyway, back to the book that we are reading, which is a contemporary um, of this age. Ray takes his phone call. It's his guy downstairs. And he's like, Pavel's guy has been spotted near the hotel. What do you want me to do about it? And we don't know anything about Pavel at this point. Just that she, he, he had determined that he was not to be disturbed or interrupted during his time with Isa. And he's really pissed off that Pavel has taken it upon himself to show up without invitation. Yeah, we'll send his goon to show up. Yeah. So he he goes downstairs and he, I think he cuts a finger off that guy. Yep. And threatens him and says, if you know what's good for you, if I ever see you again, I will murder the murderer, er, the, the most murderous murderer on you. And tell your boss that when I'm ready to see him, I will see him. But he does not get to dictate when that happens and then he comes back and she decides that she will stay with him she you know she talks to chloe i think uh, at that before he comes back she calls chloe and of course chloe gives her the horrible advice of of course you should stay with him <laughs> this random dude for a whole nine days yeah chloe is a little bit whack it didn't jump out at me so much but you having mentioned it the first time i definitely am seeing a pattern yeah she just keeps giving her horrible advice. First of all, you're there to enjoy time with your friend. If I go on a vacation with my friend and my friend spends the night with the guy with whatever, but if my friend wants to spend her whole vacation with this guy without me, like we went on a vacation together. Girl, we went on a vacation together. It's a, it's a you and me vacation. If your guy wants to hang out with us, that's fine. But you don't get to just skedaddle and go hang out with girl code, man. You bitches first. Isa tells her that, you know, she doesn't think she should stay with Wraith because she's afraid she's going to catch feelings. And Chloe's like, well, 
I hate to break it to you, but you're going to have feelings. So manage your expectations and you'll be okay. Have fun. And she kind of snoops around a little bit. And I think the back of her head, she's still thinking about that extra toothbrush in the room. So she's kind of fiddling in the closet. Yeah, and he catches her snooping. And then they go on a little explorey thing, right? Go exploring. She tells him that she's a history geek and that she's um, getting her bachelor's in anthropology. Newsflash, she's not getting her bachelor's in anything but dick. She's getting a PhD in dick. (laughs) Yeah. And he takes her for the Ensamadas, which are yeah. these powder sugar covered pastry type things. Yeah, it sounded delicious. I got really, I got so hungry reading this. I was so hungry and there was nothing yummy to eat at my house. And I was so sad. But while they're out, they do get a little, they do have some fun, sexy times in public while they're out, mm-hmm. which kind of freaks her out. Yeah. They, they have a great time while they're out. And he shows her the sights and he takes her to dinner and she, she Googled him while she was in the, the penthouse. But she didn't get to finish because he, right? He, she didn't get to finish Googling him? Correct. So, well, I think she chooses not to, that she, she's going to wait on him to tell her or something goody goody like that. Yeah. Again, totally horrible mistake here. Too stupid to live. You meet a stranger. The first thing you do is Google him. Yes. Yes, but he takes her to dinner and she asks some questions and he's like, have you been looking into me? And they have the conversation where, where it, she's like, you know, we both know this is just a vacation fling and you're pushing a little hard. And he says, well, is it so bad to want you to think about me after your vacation is over? And she says, no, of course not. I just like to go back to my life without being unable to function without you. Well, then I think we want, we simply want very different things from this relationship, Princessa. I very much want you to need me as much as I've, come, I've quickly come to need you. And she gets the call from her family and kind of stresses out. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that she lies to her family and doesn't tell them about him. And he, I think he asks, why didn't you? Why didn't you tell them about me? And then she says something like, well, my grandmother told me specifically not to get in trouble. And then he says, well, to be fair, you didn't get in trouble. Trouble got into you. (laughs) (laughs) And while they're out, there's another Russian guy hanging around. And this time I think it's. I think it's actually Pavel. Yeah, it's Pavel himself. Yeah. And he says, just the knowledge that he had laid eyes on my woman threatened my patience. Knowing the things he did to women drove me over the edge. Yeah. And then he sends her to the hotel room. He's like, he gets very like firm. Yeah. Firm and no nonsense. Like go upstairs to our room. I'll be right there. So she does again, dumb, dumb. Like I would just be like, I think at that point I'm just going to go home. (laughs) But she does. And he gets into a whole thing. Pavel. And he says, when I tell you to fucking wait, you fucking wait, you fucking wait. Is that I do not give the first fuck what it is you need because I don't operate on your schedule. Take your fucking ass back to Siberia where it belongs. And then he says she's pretty and it would, oh, and then she talks, he talks about her friend and how he would hate to see her sad, Issa's sad, 
when he slits her friend's throat and hangs her from the balcony. <laughs> to waste such beauty on sadness would be a crime, no? And <laughs> I love Rafe. He's like, I gave precisely zero shits about Chloe. Yeah. A few days prior, this would have actually helped me out because her friend's death would have been convenient for me. There would be no witnesses to what happened to Issa. Well, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm not going to go into all of the details on what Pavel actually wants. But it leads back to Matteo Blondi and his crusade against human trafficking. But she does take the card from him and she does go to the back to, up to the room because she is a good girl. And she comes back, she's, she ruminates a lot on what she's doing and whether this is the right decision to make. And she acknowledges that walking away from Rafe will break something inside of her. And so she's kind of doing some risk reward thinking, you know, the risks that I'm taking with my heart, is that worth everything that all of the fun that I'm going to have before that point? And she, she pretty much talks herself out of staying. And then he comes back Mm -hmm. and all of her good plans vanish. Yeah. And then they have some more sex, which is really hot. (laughs) Well, the next day they're out. And he has her braced on a, like a retaining wall kind of thing. Yeah. And she gets a little freaked out by the fact that he's pushing her dress up and proceeding to fuck her right there in the daylight, in the middle of Ibiza. Mm-hmm. And she's, he says, well, well, she says, people could have seen. Well, what would they see? Us, me. I whispered, my lips brushing against his as his face hardened into a cruel brutality. I didn't want to like it, didn't want to get off on the violence lurking in his skin, but my body clenched tighter around him. Yep. Can relate. Can relate. Um, Yeah. But I loved his response. He says, they'd see your face twist with pleasure while I fucked my pretty little pussy. They would see me fucking what's mine. Yeah. Race is all about mine Mm -hmm. mine 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 yeah yep do they have sex without the condom before or after this i think it's this time i thought it was at the hotel when they did that without a condom i don't know i'm going to leave it at the i i don't know when that happens okay so at some point in this in this book while they're having their little nine-day escapade, they have sex, and it's it was a really hot scene because he's he says, "Are you have you been looking into me? You shouldn't do that, me princessa." He says, "You don't need to be scared of what happens out there," but that has nothing. Oh no, this is when he came back from the hotel uh, from the from Pavel. He when he came back from Pavel, this is what he said to her, and then they have sex. And he says, you look so perfect taking my cock, me princessa. This is where you fucking belong. And I was like, mm, yes, highlight that. And then. Well, I highlighted, I didn't highlight that, but I did highlight down just down below where he says, you'll take whatever I give you, me princessa. And you'll, then you'll beg me for more. Yeah, I highlighted, I highlighted that too. So, <laughs> but then they have sex and. Oh, that's right. Because she's like, why are you so calm about this? Are you freaking out? Yeah. And then she, yeah, she figures, oh, wait, oh my God, like we didn't use a condom and she freaks out about it because, well, of course she freaks out about it. They've, she's had sex with a strange man. 
in a strange country without a condom. Dum dum. She's gonna get pregnant at 18. <laughs> and she's not gonna find out about it until she's back in Chicago, because she's going back in nine days, or at this point, maybe eight days. And she berates herself. She says, How could I be so fucking stupid? And she says, I need to go to the pharmacy. Like she's trying to leave and he won't let her. He says, Don't worry, like the pharmacy's closed. Like, we'll we'll get it tomorrow morning. Don't worry, we'll get you plan B. And she asks him why you're so calm about this. What happens, you know, if and he says, I'm older than you. I'm ready for children. Like, I'm good. Don't worry. He's yeah. And she's like, I couldn't believe it. But she finally falls, fell asleep. And then the next day they go and they get the plan B. And he does think about giving her placebo, but he doesn't do it. Well, he gets he's kind of pissy about it because he's like, she he says, all I wanted was for the same to be true for her, for her to need me so desperately that she'd do anything to have a future with me. She should have wanted to use a pregnancy to trap me as many other women might have tried over the years. The kind of wealth I possessed would change her life forever. I wouldn't have minded that in the slightest coming from her. Yeah. And then they, then he takes her home even, you know, after he, after he gives her real, real plan B and he's makes sure that Hugo is there because there might be having some side effects from plan B where she's not feeling well. And he, then he goes and does business or whatever, but he says, uh, I'll be, I'll be close by. Like, don't worry about it. If I'll be, I'll be back to get you. And then Issa has a whole conversation with Chloe and Hugo about how he makes everything else go away, how she's, she thinks that she, she's in love. And Chloe says, it's called being horny, Issa. We all go through that, but that's no reason to not be responsible. Now she's getting on her high horse. So she says, even when we're not having sex though, he makes me feel a certain way. Like I said, like she's, and Chloe says, Jesus fucking Christ, you're in love with him. And my note here is no, she's digmatized. And we've gone over this. We've all been there. I've, I married the first person that digmatized me. Okay. Like <laughs> this is just what happens. <laughs> okay. So Yes, you think you're in love because I mean, we've gone through this. Like, I mean, for most of these women that we've read about, they're not either virgins or they're very inexperienced or they've had mediocre sex. So if you go from that to just having mind-blowing orgasms nonstop, of course you're going to fall in love with the person, right? Well, Hugo does his job admirably at this point because he's like, well, tell him that you're in love with him. Yeah. You know, any guy who isn't freaked out about the possibility of a baby wants to have kids with that woman yeah or he would be freaked out and he's not freaked out therefore he must want you to you know he must want to be your baby daddy yeah so then she's not feeling that great because she's getting some cramping from the plan b and and chloe's dragging her all over the place to to sightsee and then finally i think he comes oh no they meet him for dinner or something right or they meet him at a club they they go out I think to a club. Well, they go, the club is a little. Oh, that's later. Yeah. Because she gets drunk at this point. Um, they have a picnic. Oh, right. And she's a little moody, probably from the hormones. And Rafe, he says, with only six days left on our countdown, I had never expected to still have her discuss going home like it was a certainty. Yeah. What is wrong with this man? That he thinks well, 
that's that they could even entertain the possibility that this young girl would just uproot her entire life for a vacation fling because he's stigmatizing her he's doing his very best to stigmatize her and to his credit a lot of young girls would be like but i love him mom i'm staying right you think so yes my dumbass would have oh i wouldn't have i would no oh my dumbass would have in a minute and not at 18 at 23 absolutely but at 18 no 18 i traveled 18 i hadn't had sex yet so okay see at 18 my dumbass traveled to new zealand to be with my then boyfriend who didn't even digmatize me okay because he wasn't very good at sex not uh, this is not saying anything bad about him like we were both 18 it's just I was terrible at sex too. At that point, neither one of us knew what we were doing. But yeah, my dumbass was like, "We're gonna be yes, we're gonna be together forever." And I flew to New Zealand because he was studying there, and I was ready to hang out forever and ever and ever. And then I found out he was cheating on me. But that's a whole other thing. At eighteen, I went to England on a trip for school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on our forensics team, and I was invited to to compete in the international competition and everybody's like well how did you do I'm like hell if I know I was I was in England I didn't care about how I did the competition that was my first real trip away from my family and it was fan flippantastic and you didn't get digmatized by a hot British man I did not did you even try I was kind of dating the forensics coach oh <laughs> I did not have him for any classes, so there was really no conflict of interest, or at least that was what I had convinced myself of. <laughs> okay, I love it. I like, I want the whole story, like a oh, hot professor student thing. Yeah, hot, hot, mm. hot professor thing. Yeah, I never, I never did anything with any of my professors. I had one hot professor my whole college situation. He wasn't even my professor, he was just a professor that was in a building that I went to. I wanted to switch degrees, but. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the book, because nobody wants to hear my stories about my hot. Prof- I do, and I, I I disagree. I believe that <laughs> all of the listeners want to hear about that. Well, they the can, listeners are very interested in your love life specifically. Well, they can always ask you put a question on our question thread, or get in touch with us on Instagram or TikTok at Trigger Romance. Trigger warning <laughs> at trigger warning romance for both platforms or our Facebook group or our email. Send me questions and I will answer them. We're going to do a, a mini so question, a question and a QA. Yeah. The, the listeners want to know all about your, your dating life because you have such an intensely interesting dating life. It doesn't seem that interesting to me, but I guess I think you're living where you're. It's, it's a little on the unusual side. It is because the majority of people are just in a regular monogamous relationship. And you, my friend, are a poly and have multiple people situations. So that's very interesting. I, I've asked you some questions about it. And the listeners want to know even more. Because apparently I'm not investigative, investigative, investigative enough. Well, I will definitely 
make that a point on our upcoming Q&A when we have a chance to get that done. We need more questions though. Yes. We don't have enough questions to fill up an episode. So get in touch with us guys. What do you want to know? Yeah. The only questions I've gotten was they want more Mr. Savage and questions about him, which he's thrilled about. Loki not, but anyway, I think he's just playing hard to get. I think he's actually quite enamored with the love he gets from our listeners. Well, he should be. Our listeners are awesome. They really are. They're the best. Anyway, so where the hell were we? Um, They're back in the hotel room and they are having sex. Of course they are. Of course they are. This guy's is not a typical slow burn. No, it's, it's not slow burn. I loved it. There's a lot of sex in it. Yeah. And I hate slow burns. We know that. So I was very appreciative of the fact that this was not a slow burn and there was lots and lots of sex on this. He does, they were having sex and she does say like, put on a condom and he, he does grab one and put it on and in his brain, very unhappy about it. But this is when I have a little bit of a, again, this stuff is hot in books, but in real life, I can't do it. He says, eyes on me, I growled in warning. And she flung them open, holding my gaze as she flushed. I rewarded her, um, you know, whatever. They have sex. By, but he wants her to look at him while she's coming, right? Yeah. This might just be a me thing, but I need to concentrate, okay? It just doesn't just happen sometimes. So do not tell me to look. I'm going to look wherever the hell I need to look in order to make this thing to happen. <laughs> yeah, I usually close my eyes. Yeah. So looking like do not and again it's, it's definitely hot in books but in real life like just let me concentrate well mine is when the guy goes down on her and he's meeting her gaze and i'm like seriously do you want to know what the most unflattering way that you can look at a woman is from no. i mean the view from between my legs not flattering to me no at all no so i don't want you looking at me while you do that no I don't want you looking at me at all while we do it, okay? Because <laughs> because it's just, it's not good. I'm going to tell a very quick, very sad to me story. When um, when we made, okay, the pandemic happened and we kept our older daughter home. And she was our only daughter at the time for a little while. And we had a babysitter come watch her while we went to work because we don't want to put her in daycare because of COVID. So we figured it was good to have one person rather than like a whole bunch of kids and people. So we installed a whole bunch of cameras in our house to watch. It was someone we knew, but still like to watch what happens Mm -hmm. and just to to have that peace of mind. And then the kid went to daycare and it was fine. Things went back to normal. We forgot the cameras were there. (laughs) And I do believe people might know where this is going. (laughs) But um, my husband and I, did accidentally make a sex tape. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before. I don't think so. But we did accidentally make a sex tape because we had installed a fireplace, like an electric fireplace in the living room. And of course you're going to have, I want to have sex next to the fireplace. Yeah. (laughs) Who doesn't? Yeah, of course. Uh, Also a fun fact, that is also when we made our second daughter. So I I now have a sex tape of what I conceived my I, I just have a feeling she's not going to want to know that. No, but I completely forgot. Like I said, we completely forgot the cameras were there. And then my husband texts me the next morning and was like, 
hey, you might want to check the living room camera out at this time last night. And I was like, no, 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 oh, no, oh, no, no, no. So, of course, I did look at it. And I wish I didn't because it is it is not I'm not a porn star. I'm I'm not. I do believe when they're shooting those things, they have certain angles that look good. And um, I did not look good from any of the angle that 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 we um that we had sex at. Anyway, that's my story. Not accidentally. I have made some sex videos. Okay. With a previous partner because he was very into that. But I couldn't watch myself on screen because it just horrifies me. No, it's horrible. I watched like two seconds of it and I was like, nope. I mean, nope. Mm-mm. I was like 70 pounds lighter too. And I still couldn't. I was like, no, uh-uh. Nope, 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 nope. I'm blind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Mr. Savage was all about it, but he was mad because the camera didn't capture the whole thing. Cause it, like it only, we had it set to like only capture certain at certain times. Mm-hmm. So he was like, it didn't get my best moves. I'm like, it's, <laughs> Please, babe. I can't. I can't. I love you, but he was he was a uh, low key mad, and I was like, I was horrified. Like I said, I watched maybe three seconds of it before I noped out of that whole thing. But um, that is a fun fun story to now horrify my daughter with later on in life because I I also am like, all right, well now the the security tape people also have tape of us. God. <laughs> Oh, back to the book. <laughs> they are going on a boat ride. Yeah. You know, for some, for someone who's so terrified of water, she is going on an island with lots of water. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have my own fears with water. And have we talked about that on the podcast? No. I was maybe five, like five or six, and we went to the beach. And I was playing in the, you know, in the, the, the packed sand where the water comes up mm-hmm. and I got knocked over by someone who fell and they pushed me back into the water and I couldn't breathe and the only memory that I have besides being terrified because I couldn't breathe was this big flower print moo. <laughs> not only do I not like to get my face wet or to be underwater I also don't like flowered moo's I mean I mean, yes, I too don't like water, but um, I don't have a moo-moo phobia, but, you know, a flower moo-moo is definitely uh, not the most flattering, so it's probably, you're, you're better off. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. But he's, I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, I survived, so it's okay. And I took swimming lessons for three years and still can't swim. So, <laughs> you know, I just con- contented myself with being 44 years old and barely being able to dog paddle. It's fine. I'm a horrible swimmer myself because like you, when I was a small child, I don't know how old I was. My grandpa decided to teach me to swim the Soviet way by just tossing me into a Yeah, he tossed me into a lake and I legit drowned. So, oh, (laughs) yeah, I didn't learn to swim until I was like 12 (laughs) because I did. And my and by learn to swim, I can doggy paddle a little bit, like a teeny tiny bit in high school. In our gym class, we had to spend, we spent, I think, four weeks doing swimming, Mm -hmm. which was absolute hell. 
because I was afraid of the water and they were grading me on my performance in the water, but I was afraid of the water. Um, And it took a lot of very loud communication to make them understand that I was going to spend those four weeks in the library writing a paper on swimming. I like that. I like it. Resourceful. And that's why I like you. Uh. (laughs) Thank you. But on their boat ride, he kind of prods her, wanting to find out what her story is. You know, why are there problems between her and Adina and what's going on with her family? And she kind of shrugs him off and she says, you know, she blames me for something that happened when we were little and our mother took my side. It's really hard for her because she she thinks maybe she's broken instead of Odina being broken. And he kind of hints at how well he knows her because he's like, I know, I think I know you better than you believe. And he says, Isa would love me if she didn't already. I'd find a way. Yeah, of course you would, you psychopath. <laughs> Is this where he makes her swim? No, that's a little later. Okay. This is, um, they talk a lot about family and, Mm. um, oh, no, this is where she takes her to swim. Yeah, I thought so. Knowing that she's afraid of the water, he takes her swimming. I wanted to beat him. Yeah. And she says, I don't want to. He says, I'll be with you the entire time. And she says, does that does that mean I can just uh, jump into a fucking lake with you? Are you kidding me right now? She gets really mad and she says, take me back to Ibiza, please. And he says, no. And he's like threatening her. So she walks away. She's like, fuck this. Yeah. Fuck this noise. I'm out. Yeah. She's like, I'll catch a cab or something back. I can't, I can't do this. And he follows and he's, and very ominously says, you don't want to walk away from me, princessa. And she says, why is that? Because I'll chase you. Mm-hmm. And, and, she, and she gets a little turned on by that. <laughs> and terrified of herself because she gets turned on by that. Well, she says, what did one say when the man she was falling head over heels in love with showed signs of being a monster? That's what I mean. There are seconds of where she's like, wait, there's something not quite right with him. But she never puts two and two together until the very end. And it's too late. And he tells her, she's, she's standing in the road, deciding if she wants to walk away from him or go back. And he's like, don't do it. I'd like it when you tell me no. I think I'll like it when you fight me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I swallowed, wishing I could deny the perverse part of me that craved everything he talked about. I wanted him to chase me. I wanted him to catch me. And I wanted him to show me everything that I dreamt of and my most forbidden desires. And then he says, I promise you, I am far scarier than whatever you think lurks in that fucking water. Well, this says that before, but yeah. So he's clearly showing a little, you know, a little piece of what he, what he, he actually is. But she does concede. And he's a little bit disappointed that she doesn't run from him because he wants to chase her. But he does take her swimming. His reasoning for doing, well, I disagree with it. I do get his reasoning because he's going to have her living on an island. And not being able to swim and having such a serious water phobia is very detrimental to being on an island. But she's already on an island. Ibiza is an island. Well, yes. But when he takes her back to El Fierno. El, 
El Fierno, yeah, El Fierno, something like that. She'll be living on an island, you know, not just for nine days, but for the rest of her life. Well, you know, he could be the considerate person and move to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me another. Uh, anyway. But she says, she asks them, she says, you want to hurt me. Is that what this is? A way to hurt me without having to put in the effort of chasing me down? He says, I want to hurt you in ways you'll enjoy. Not with the fears that grip you and torment you over a decade after your accident. Besides, you're mine to hurt, aren't you, me princessa? How do you not run after that? I don't know. I mean, she clearly has no sense of self-preservation. Zero, zip, nada, completely digmatized. And I don't know if it's because she's so sheltered, but you would think that after the accident that she had when she was a child, that that would force that kind of thoughts on her, that serious distrust and that desire to live, the desire to survive. But no, she has none of it. Here, take me. It has nothing to do with the accident. If someone says to you, I want to hurt you, because you're mine to hurt. How? Excuse me? Get the fuck out of there. A little bit more about some of my, my past love life. <laughs> I love it. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was involved in a very serious BDSM relationship, oriented relationship, for almost a decade before I met Mr. Klein. And... I understand the appeal to having somebody say, I want to hurt you. Mm -hmm. So that in and of itself would not make me run. But I never trusted the wrong person and almost drowned either. Yes. So I don't think her not wanting to to bolt after that is is so far-fetched. And while I understand where you're coming from, you were in that relationship for a long time, right? Yeah. We started off, it wasn't, I mean, we kind of started off with a bang, but yeah. But like you weren't a person who never had pretty much ever had sex before, right? I had had two relationships prior. Okay. So it wasn't your first relationship. But at the age of 24, I did fly to England for two weeks to hook up with someone that I had never met face to face. Oh, you're too stupid to live my as well. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I'm glad you survived, Tori. <laughs> oh. So <clears throat> I have I have some insight into Lisa's <clears throat> mind at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. I bet we're going to be getting some more questions about your 10-year uh, relationship, by the way. <laughs> I will answer as honestly as I can. There you go. I love that I'm the boring one in this in this uh, podcast. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I never thought gonna... I would be the exciting one. What? You are exciting. Look at you. You don't think you're exciting because this is just normal to you. I suppose. Right? Yeah. All my excitement just comes from books. The most exciting thing I did today was I get I got peed on and not even in a in a kinky way. My my kid peed all over me. Water sports are a, are a no for me. I tried it, didn't care for it. Nuh-uh. So, so okay, it's actually really funny because, look, I'm not into it either, right? And if you would have told me before I had kids, like, hey, can I pee on you? I would have been like, 
you're disgusting. Absolutely not. It would have horrified me. Since having kids, again, and not my favorite thing, like I'm not going to sign up for it, but I have been peed on so many times at this point (laughs) in my life. I don't think it would bother me very much. Like I don't, it wouldn't like ick me out anymore, you know? Well, you've, you've gotten accustomed to it, I guess. Yeah. I'm just, just my new normal, just peed on constantly. Again, it's not, not my thing. I'm not, and if it is your thing, then good for you. Like if you're out there and you like to do it or you like to have it done to you, no problem. Enjoy. Not my thing, but again, ever having kids, Mr. Savage and I have had this discussion of where certain things that used to gross us out completely just absolutely don't even phase us anymore. <laughs> Multiple things. I could probably see that. Yeah. And so this is how I'm boring. So I said, I'm boring. You're exciting. I'm just living vicariously through books and you. Excellent. I am glad to know I have purpose. But she does get in the water. Yeah. This is where she explains that she drowned. And we find out that a piece of barbed wire got caught around her leg. And that's what's caused such a horrific scar on her, on her thigh. And this is where they discover that, that she drowned on the same day that Rafe's mom was burned at the stake, or he says died in a fire. (laughs) Well, but while she was underwater, she says, I saw phantoms, shadows in the water as they moved like nightmares coming for me, grabbing my leg and trying to pull me under. And she says, my grandfather says that the water is sacred and that the veil between life and death is, is thinner in it. I was drowning, half dead already. She says, what I saw was real, that I'm one of the few people to experience it before I die. They tried to take me, but they couldn't do it. So they took Odina instead. She says, she thinks it shows how strong I am, that they couldn't claim me as theirs. But they would have if my mother hadn't pulled me out of the water. Everything had gone dark already. There was nothing but blackness and the sound of flames roaring in my head. Yeah. And then this is, he says, flames. They said it was just the sound of the current. And that woman screaming was my mother on the shore before she dove into the water. And then this is when he asks, when was the accident? So she says, I was five. And he says, no, like the day, Isa, what day was the accident? June 14th. And he says, my head roared with a connection, my mind working to convince me that coincidences didn't, coincidence, coincidence, Jesus Christ, I can't. Coincidences. Yes, co- happened sometimes. With anything else, it might have worked if it hadn't been for the 14th anniversary, if it hadn't been for the 14th anniversary of my mother's death. So June 14th, the 14th anniversary of his mother's death was when Isa drowned and saw flames or heard flames and screaming. And he says, our connection goes back farther than you can imagine, Princessa. That sealed her fate completely, I think, at that point. I mean, he was going to keep her anyway, but that was like the nail in the coffin. Yeah. He says, I dare the spirits to try to take you from me. There is nothing that can keep me from you, Isa. I still watched the water from the shadows. I never went far from Rafe's side, but I swam on my own, comforted by comforted that the phantom at my side would protect me because I was his to hurt and nothing else would ever touch me. I highlighted that too. I really liked that part. Yeah, I bet you did. Um, <laughs> and then 
then they meet up with Chloe and, and Hugo, I think. Well, she called, she gets the call from her grandmother and then they talk on the phone with Chloe and Isa confesses that, that he taught her how to swim. Mm -hmm. And then she tells her about how she tried to leave and he said he would chase her. And Chloe gets protective. You know, do you think that you're in danger? And she says that she will check with Hugo to see what he knows about Rafe. Being local, maybe he knows something. Yeah, maybe do that before you send your friend up there. Sorry, just getting back on my high horse about Chloe. Then they have the chess game. Chess is a big, the last like 25% of this, there's a lot of chess going on. And so there's a lot of chess imagery that I had to look up because I didn't know. Yeah, I only know that like, the queen has most of the power and she protects the king and that's pretty much it <laughs> but the game is over when the king is in danger of being killed or something i don't know anyway uh you could see how i don't play chess so ask adelaide not us yeah because yeah they say like the game is over when the king is dead but without a queen it never truly begins. She can perform most of the moves on the board. The queen protects her king no matter the cost. And then he says that one day that Issa is going to be a force to be reckoned with, both on the board and off. But today was not that day. And she never tries to Google him again, which is dumb. She even like says like, oh, I never tried Googling him since he caught me that one time and warned me away from it. Well, she's got Chloe doing it now. Yeah, I guess. And she does trust Chloe for whatever reason. Well, she's like her one and only friend besides Hugo, I guess. I mean, and she does have, Chloe like has her best intentions. She's, Chloe's also a dumb 18 year old, so we can't really fault her. They're both dumb 18-year-olds at this point. So yeah. it's really the parents' fault for being like, yeah, go off to Ibiza with you dumb 18-year-olds. <laughs> no adult supervision whatsoever, just Hugo and his brothers. Because that's a good idea. But they go up to the rooftop terrace and they get in the hot tub. And she says, nothing mattered when I was in his arms. Not the way he had scared me the day before, not the fact that I'd have to say goodbye in four days. It didn't matter that I'd go home to a life I no longer recognized and go about my business as if the glimpse of a life he had shown me hadn't changed me forever. Because you're digmatized. <laughs> That's going to be the word of uh, the episode. Digmatized. You've never dated before. The first person you date usually makes a very big impact on you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's just a regular human being that you date, not some super suave mob boss with lots of money. Who has been planning your demise for 16 months. And has been practicing all his suave, digmatizing moves. But they have some back and forth. And he tells her about his trying to count the stars with his mom. Mm -hmm. And how now he doesn't count the stars, he counts her freckles. Yeah, that was cute. And then they go to the club. Yeah, then they go to the club and they meet up with Hugo and Chloe. And Chloe does question him a little bit here. She's like, so how, because he says that this is, he lets out that like, this is his club. And Chloe's like, so how did a young guy like you get to own a club? You know, 
what'd you do to get this club? And he's kind of annoyed at her, but he says, oh, just investments and whatever else, just business. It's like in 365 days when she asks him, so what is it you do? And he says, I do business. <laughs> it's like the dumbest answer. But when she, he says that, Chloe comes back at him. She says, well, that's not what Google says. And he's like, and you're going to trust Google? Yeah. And then that other guy shows up, the Russian guy again, the one with the missing pinky. Yes. Remember him? He shows up and he sends Issa back to the hotel immediately. And then he deals with the Russian and he kills him in a fancy, fancy, fancy way. And then Issa gets a phone call from Chloe. And it's a very like harsh whisper, quick. It's like, it's me. And she says, you need to get out of there. Like he's a murderer. You got to get the hell out of there and go to an embassy and I'll meet you there as soon as I can. And Issa's like, are you sure? And she says, I wouldn't do this if I wasn't sure. Just get out. So Issa wonders over, of course, he takes her sweet ass time. As always. I would not have waited to pack my suitcase. No, get the hell out of there. Get the purse and get the fuck out of there. And then he catches her trying to leave. He says, where are you, where are you going? Uh, you going? Where are you going somewhere, princessa? And she lies to him and he catches her. He calls her out on it. But somehow, and I, I don't remember exactly how, but somehow they get onto the balcony. Mm-hmm. And she's got her phone and she says, well, I was just trying to call Chloe and I can't get a hold of anyone. I can't get a hold of her. I can't get a hold of Hugo. And I'm worried. So I'm just going to pop out and check on them. And he says, you wouldn't lie to me, would you? And he, he runs his hand down her arm and she jerks a little bit and she knocks her phone off the balcony. Yep. Crash gone. Phone no longer exists. That's a shame, Rafe said, watching my face as I dragged my gaze back to his. He didn't say another word about the phone, sliding his fingers through mine as he guided me away from the balcony and toward the bedroom. I swallowed my fear as I eyed the closet with my belongings, remembering the words he had spoken at the waterfall. He had followed me. He had chased me if I walked away. So she knows. She knows that she's in deep. But by now, there's too, it's too late. Yep. Way too late. But he does seduce her. Yeah. But he notes that like it's definitely not as... She's not acting the way she... She's trying to act the way she had before, but she's definitely stiff and... She sat frozen and unable to find the strength to move. She wants to pretend like I didn't know any better, that he was still the man that I thought I fell in love with, but I couldn't move as his hands trailed over the skin of my chest and pushed the dress down to reel my brow. And he says, is something wrong? <laughs> and she says, I just don't like secrets. And he says, sometimes a relationship means protecting one another from the truths they aren't prepared to handle. And she's like, relationship? He's like, yeah, what do you, exactly do you think this is between us? And she said, I wasn't, I'm not sure what to call it. And then he, of course, smushes, like, not smushes. Then he, like, stares at her and reaches his hand inside her and slides it between her legs and he says my pussy seems to know exactly who it belongs to me princessa and nothing could compare to the horror I felt when he slid through my flesh easily thanks to how wet I was 
I mean, it's not necessarily her fault. She's 18 year old. You look at her the wrong way and she'll get wet. Yeah. And he's been touching her. He's been, yeah. and she admits that she gets off on the fear and the pain. So, I mean, everything combined is, you really can't fault her. No. Also every time, you know, he's more or less for the past nine days trained her to respond to him. So almost kind of like what um, Julian did to, oh my God, why can't it, uh, to, what was her, Nora? Julian did to, yeah. <laughs> it's late, guys. We're, we record late. So it's almost like, it's not to quite the extent because, of course, Julian had months to do it. But, in the you know, he's quite skilled. And in the past nine days, he's, he's taught her, anytime I touch you like this, you get excited. So, yeah, he seduces her and they have sex, but he's definitely a little bit rougher than he usually is. And she asks him to put a condom on again. And he thinks about not not doing it. And she sees that thought in his eyes. And you would think that it would, you would think that this might edge into that Dubcon trope, but she's perfectly willing. I mean, there's there's no no question of consent in this one. No, she says something like, I want, I, I like, I want to do this and this knowing this will be my last time with him. She like really wanted to enjoy it and remember it because in her brain, she's leaving after this and he, he's never being seen with him again. So they have sex and, and then she sneaks out of the room and after he falls asleep, I think, right? Well, before he falls asleep, he recognizes he says, with every day that passed, it became more and more obvious that Isa would never voluntarily give herself to me. I'd have to take her. I'd have to break her. And then I'd rebuild her into the queen she was meant to be. Yep. Yeah. So he goes and he deals with a condom. He comes back with a warm washcloth that is necessary in every romantic, in every romance book. He cleans her up and he gets a text message that came in during the night that he didn't see yeah from hugo and it just says isa knows the void inside me widened as i turned my eyes back to her sleeping body and the innocence on her face pursing my lips i moved to the balcony and pulled the glass closed behind me as i pressed the button to call hugo back tell me hugo what exactly does isa know and he, tell, he tells her that Chloe got in touch with her and had a brief conversation about it before he got through the door to stop it. And he's and he, all he says is, that's unfortunate. And Hugo asks him, he says, well, what do you want to do? And he says, clear the streets. Yeah. So this is a man who has the power to clear the streets of Ibiza, which is kind of mind-blowing. It's completely mind-boggling. That's like a party city. How do you tell a bunch of partiers be like, sorry, can't party right now? <laughs> but Hugo asks him, well, why? Why don't you just take her now? And he says, because I have to know. Yeah. I have to know what decision she will make. And then she wakes up and gets out slowly. And she's trying to keep from waking Raph up. I don't think he's asleep. I think he's pretending to sleep at this point. But... She packs her suitcase, the dumbass, and lugs it out with her. And he interrupts her at that point. He says, are you going somewhere, princess? And she says, I need to leave or something. It's time for me. To, I think she says something like, it's time for me to go. Well, he kind of, and he invades her space again. And 
but she says, Chloe needs me. He says, and you weren't going to say goodbye? Something odd in his tone as he tilted his head at me. His lips tightened as they pressed into a firm line, his nostrils flaring briefly before he wiped all traces of anger from his face and smiled at me. It wasn't unkind exactly. It stung like disappointment. And she says, I didn't want to cry, I admitted, tilting my face down. But I guess that's unavoidable now. And he says, I'll give you a ride. Come back with come back when Chloe's in a better place. And she says, thank you for being so good to me. But I think it's time for me to go. He says, or you could stay. And she says, I have to go home. He drew a deep breath in. And, you know, as I drew a deep breath in, prepared to make what I felt like the biggest mistake of my life. Unlocking and pulling the door open, I accepted that it was the only choice I would make under the circumstance, even if it broke me. And he caught her arm at the last possible moment and he brought her in for a kiss. And then he let her go. He let her go. Yeah, he let her go. And she was almost like unexpected that of him herself. And um, that's when the games begin. <laughs> okay. You know, I have to say, out of every book that I have read, of which there have been many. This is the most awesome chase scene that I have ever read. It is dark and it is scary and it just takes all of the right buttons to be fantastic. If you like chase scenes, you have to read this book. Yeah, it's, it's to me, it was very reminiscent of like a horror movie. Yes. Where, yeah, right? Like where the, the villain slowly walks after the person who's running and somehow and still somehow catches them because <laughs> she's booking it she finds these pieces the chess pieces and she's kind of it's clicking into place it's clicking into place and eventually she drops her suitcase and she's just booking it she even falls and like scrapes her knee at some point and she's bleeding and he's just strolling it feels like he's just strolling after her well some of the, some of the thoughts that he has are just you know he says she had had the chance to have a loving and doting husband. She had chosen the nightmare instead. Yeah. But yeah, the chase scene was great because it wasn't quite a chase scene. As in, like I said, he wasn't running. There was no need for him to run because she's not going anywhere and he knows it. So he's taking his time slowly walking on after her. I think he got his car ready. But yeah, and she keeps, like I said, she keeps finding these chess pieces First, she finds a pawn, then she finds something else, then she finds something else, and then she finds the queen, right? Yep. And that's when he shows up with a syringe. We get the syringe. He's very Julian Escagara in a way. He's very reminiscent of Julian for me. He says, checkmate, princessa, he murmured, stepping toward me slowly as I raised my hands defensively. Raphael, what are you doing? I asked, sobbing as one of his hands reached up to stroke my cheek with a mocking gentleness. It's time to go home, he said, his face twisting with a moment of regret. Then he stabs her in the neck with a syringe and she goes limp. Night, night. And just before she passes out, she says, why? And he says, you shouldn't have left me. Yeah. And that is where the book ends. That is where the book ends. Oh, don't you hate a cliffhanger? Mm. Good thing is all the books are out. So you don't have to wait like we did. <laughs> I know. Count your blessings. I know. So mad. So mad. Because like, wait, I have to wait for the next one. Um, but that was the book. It was really good. Again, it really didn't get dark 
until the very end. We got little bits of dark throughout, but it wasn't the darkest book I've ever read. But definitely the second book is Banana Pants Dark. It has quite literally all the triggers. You know what I really like about Adelaide's books? It lists just triggers for me in the beginning of the book. Shopping list. Mm-hmm. You get a shopping list. And it makes our life at the podcast a little bit easier because we can just put those right into show notes. We don't have to go thinking of them. Some of the other books, we had to put our own version of what we thought the triggers were in the book. So I get a little nervous when that happens because obviously it's not our, like we didn't write the book, so we possibly could have missed one. But that was the book. It was amazing. We really liked it. We hope that you liked it. And we hope that you are going to be with us next week when we're going to read Until Tomorrow Ends. No, Until Forever Ends. Until Forever Ends. You know me in titles. Sorry. That's the reason you keep me around. Yes, that is the reason I keep you around. That and your fun BDSM stories. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe maybe eventually you'll get the story on how me and Mr. Klein met. Ooh, that's a fun story. That was a fun story. Oh, damn it. Now I want to know. Well, you'll just have to hope somebody asks. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask. <laughs> I'm going to make my own list. I guess that counts. We're allowed to ask each other questions. But I want to do a shout out to Kay Camille Ortiz. I think that's how you say your last name. If I mispronounced it, I am horribly sorry. But she sent a very fun TikTok rep my way that Nat forwarded to me. And it was very entertaining (laughs) hot and the link to that will be at the show yeah nat couldn't watch it because i got too uh, (laughs) pink-faced i didn't get pink-faced and i watched it more than once (laughs) hey i'm willing to admit it that's not not saying that to shame you i'm just saying i'm a prude it's fine you are not a prude you're just easily (laughs) embarrassed they're two totally different things yeah i guess i guess that's true i did just tell you about how i made a sex tape so i guess i'm not a prude (laughs) Thank you guys for your patience. Also, I want to apologize for missing an episode last week, but sometimes life just collapses and things happen and fun things have to get pushed off for responsibilities. So, yes. And like I keep telling everybody, we're glad you enjoy it, but this is um, not our full-time jobs. We do this for fun and it's free to enjoy. So we are not, we're trying to stick to a schedule, but don't hold us to it. Uh, But we appreciate your support. Do you have any palate cleansers for me? I do actually. Well, the first one isn't really a palate cleanser, but it's a, well, I guess it kind of is. My kitten has disappeared. She got out on Saturday morning and we haven't found her yet. No. I've had so many people reach out because I posted a thing on Facebook about it. And so many people have reached out to give me ideas on how I might be able to find her, giving me resources for her to look, sending good thoughts. I'm really blessed with the people in my life. And I appreciate all of their thoughts and all of their, their attempts to help. I'm just hoping that, that we find her soon. I'm sure she's just having a fun adventure without mom. Oh, I'm sure she is. But the last time she did this, she ended up with, a, with, with Jesus cats. And... <gasps> The vet told me she had been spayed. <laughs> have I told you the Jesus cat story? I, I think you have briefly, but <laughs> yeah. my spayed cat had kittens <laughs> in my dresser drawer. I woke up in the middle of the night to this <laughs> sound. Oh my goodness. And there was the kitten 
there's a baby, tiny, little bitty, itty thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, what do I do now? Well, I went back to sleep because there was nothing I could do and everything seemed to be okay. But I woke up the next morning and there were three cats. So we had the Holy Trinity of Jesus cats. Oh my God. That's so funny. So for a while, I think at that point I had eight cats in my, 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 um, it was some kind of insanity. Oh, wow. That's a lot of cats. That was a lot of cats. I mean, three of them were teeny tiny, but they all had their mother's attitude. And as has the attitude of a Doberman, six and a half pounds. Yeah, it was, it was a trying time to be me. (laughs) Well, did you get her respayed? I did. Okay. I'm still paranoid. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) I don't blame you. That's really funny. But my actual palate cleanser is, I, I think I mentioned it a week or two ago. I had a wine tour with Mr. Klein's girlfriend, her daughter-in-law, and her wife. So the four of us ladies, we hit eight wineries on Saturday doing wine tastings with pieces of charcuterie board. Ooh, look at you. And it was hella fun. I I had a migraine last week. I think yesterday was day five. I think, yeah, I think yesterday was day five and I finally, it finally broke. So by Saturday, I've been having a migraine for four days and I was not really in the best of moods, but I had paid the money that was non-refundable and I had made the plans and I was determined to go and they made it a lot of fun. That's great. We had a great time and I came back with a lot of wine. I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. I love wine. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, Mr. Savage has promised to take me to wine country after I am done breastfeeding this baby of mine. And I'm almost done breastfeeding this baby of mine because this baby of mine is almost one. So mama's tired. (laughs) I would imagine so. But with this stupid formula shortage, I can't stop until the baby stops. Yeah. Because I can't put her on formula because there is no formula. I'm not formula shaming, but just there's just no formula. So my plan was to put her on formula around nine months. That did not work out. I breastfed my first one for a whole year. So I guess in a way, karma's like, do the same for the second bitch. <laughs> but I am almost done, which that is a whole palate cleanser of my own. I found this company that is called Honey and Mil- Milk and Honey. I think it's called Milk and Honey. And they make breast milk jewelry, which you can send them a little bit of your breast milk. They actually also can do the same with formula. If you formula fed, you can send, because that's not easy either, guys. Keeping a baby alive is really difficult. So you can send them your breast milk or formula. You can even send some of the baby's hair if you want. And they make you custom like piece of jewelry, whether you want a ring or a necklace or earrings or whatever. And then they send it back to you. And since this is my last baby and this is the last time, <laughs> I'm doing any of this nonsense. I decided to commiserate and celebrate it by making myself a little jewelry. So I have a little ring, got a little ring with the breast milk as the jewel. It looks like a little pearl. It's actually really pretty. I haven't gotten it back yet, but that is what I ordered. Cool. Um, stay cool. Stay tuned because maybe it comes back and looks complete trash, but on online, it looks really cute. <laughs> So that's my one palette cleanser, and which is pretty cool. And then the second one is a book that I really liked. It's called A Lady of Rook's 
Musgrave Manor. Well, how is that? That's on my, been on my list. By Catherine Moon. Oh, you're going to love that book. It is pure smut in the best way possible. It is a reverse harem, which... I know. That's uh, one of the reasons I didn't suggest we read it was because it was a, a reverse harem. And I didn't think you'd like it. I liked it. I It didn't hit... I liked it on a speculative manner like as a as a spectator you know what I mean like I didn't get as engrossed in the book as I get in some of the other like in this book in row in um like in this book that we just read like I'm really immersed in most of them and I, I lose myself in this book I didn't quite lose myself because of the I think because of the reverse harem aspect of it but it was a really interesting book it's about a lady who has a reverse harem of just literal monsters. I was going to say, it's a monster book, right? Yeah. And it's not dark, but it is crazy. And it's actually really sweet in a way. Like, so sweet for a monster reverse harem. <laughs> but yeah, there's... Oh, guys. There's a second one that's coming out. I don't know. I haven't read that one. But this is the one, the only one I read. And I'm, actually, I'm, I'm not quite finished with it. Like, I'm almost done, but I'm not quite finished with it. But there's this... One scene that will not leave my brain, <laughs> and I won't ruin it for you guys, but go read it and then think of me when you think of the invisible monster having sex with the lady in front of a mirror. Oh my. So she can, he's invisible and she can see things happening, if you know what I mean. Wow. It's something I've never thought of before. Yeah. Has, it's really cool. That has just moved up on my TBR. You're going to love it. It's, I mean, it's a hot book. It's fun. It's like all, it's like a lot of sex, a lot of public sex. It's a lot of, like I said, like multiple people sex. it's, it's fun. I think you're going to like it. Ooh. But yeah, read that book guys. And think of me, the invisible monster has sex with a lady in front of a mirror. What I just heard was Nat wants us to think about her and having sex. Yeah, of course. You guys heard, but that was what I just heard. Hey, I have a romance novel podcast. You guys can't see it. She's blushing. She's turning pink. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, Lord. Anyway, thank you so much for sticking with us this episode. We appreciate all your support. We love hearing from you. So please reach out to us with some questions for our mini on either the Facebook group or any of our other social network feeds. Uh, please rate and review because it helps other people find us and it really helps the platforms we're on push us in front of other podcasts and also come back to us next week when we read until forever ends i think that's it that's everything for tonight we do really appreciate you and we have had a lot of fun and we look forward to, to talking for you next week yep have a great day everybody Bye. bye